Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 511 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, I'm ready to talk some comic books. How about you? I am too. At 511, we're almost six foot tall, this podcast. <sighs> Got to stand next to either my friend Doug or AJ Styles to prove if that's true or not. I'm sorry, yeah, I don't... Blue... Blue mittens, excuse there me. There you go. I got confused. And I know nobody ever fudges heights, so right. you're pretty good. Because when it comes to the world of sports and entertainment, Todd, uh, you're not allowed to lie about your height or your weight. Everything else you could lie about, but those are the only two things that they, you know, they print that on your wrestling license in some states. And then you Thanks. go to the wrestling license and they're like, you're not Jesse the Body Ventura. This says your name is James Janice and you're six foot four and you look only about six two. Right. But they have one guy who just walks around and is like, hey, how much does that guy weigh? Oh, that was just that one time, and that one time was awesome. Right. Anyway, comic book stuff. Uh <laughs> stuff is happening at Marvel, another big event. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, DC is doing stuff to bring back anthologies. I didn't know they went away. Some stuff that did go away is some free comic book day stuff. That might be sticking in a few people's craws. (laughs) Um, More Warner DC TV stuff that's not going to the DC Universe app. And I'm not sure if you knew this, Todd, but next weekend would have been San Diego Comic-Con. And I've got ways that we could all celebrate this. And, uh, you know, part ways with money uh, from our pockets as well. Oh, okay. And what would this show be without a return of the Rob Watch? Because, you know, the Rob has a new book coming out this week. Maybe more on that later. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's back is conventions, Todd, and I'm concerned. Uh, Digital books and sales (laughs) this week. I didn't get the update, but that's okay. We do a lot about that. Uh, Anywho... And it's all there. You can find it all yourself. I don't know. Maybe these things might get leaned up here in the near future. Who knows? <laughs> uh, what we read this past week, which is Batman number 94. And now, is the official title of the book Fantastic Four Empire number zero? Or is it Empire Fantastic Four number zero? Um, I always have to look at the little, like, copyright thing in the inside. Yeah. So when, we, when we do the... when. When we do the the tease for it uh, later on, I'll let you know because the print is so small. I have to get my phone out and do the my, the the you know enlarge the the font. Right. The copyright says Empire Fantastic Four, but the cover has Fantastic Four above Empire. So I'll go by the copyright. I do too. And I just put that book in backwards. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd's Art Attack, as well as um, discussion of the most recent episode of The Star Girl. Mm-hmm. So this week, Marvel did a big hullabaloo, big announcement for their next big event. Even though the current event just started, the aforementioned <laughs> Empire, which was late by three months, of course, for some reason. I'm not really sure why. <laughs> right. Um, but this appears to be a sequel 
to absolute carnage entitled The King in Black, spinning out of Venom, spinning out of the absolute carnage stuff, uh, helmed by Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman, who have been the creative team on this. So on one hand, I'm happy uh, to see this continue because I have been enjoying the Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, uh, Venom stuff. I'm concerned that they say spinning out of the events of, of Absolute Carnage, because as we've discussed here on the show, Absolute Carnage may not have been all that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the announcement of this event, um, you know, that Donny Cates is kind of helming this big crossover. And uh, I'm just concerned of how s- wide-spanning this is going to be, you know? Right. I, and everything you said with that, I agree on because basically by I love Venom the book and I'm not even a Venom guy, but that absolute carnage was just tedious to me at times. And it was like, oh, OK, like, you know, but at least I stuck to the to the books. We, we have that whole thing that we always do. It's like, is it written by the guy who's writing the the overarching story? OK. Or, you know, or somebody that I really like. All right. Maybe. But this one. I'm I'm on the fence about I'll probably get but if it bores me the way Absolute Carnage did uh I'll I'll tap out early on this and just hopefully when we come back around to uh the Venom book I can read it or whatever who knows maybe this will be the end of Donny Cates on Venom too it's been a, a quite a run you know what I mean I think it's so, almost 2 years at this point right so you never know cuz like how long he didn't do more than 2 years on Thanos did he no Right. So like, we don't know what he's going to do on Thor. Cause that got hamstrung early that, you know, like with everything going on, we only had a couple issues, but we'll see. So, but I have no giant hopes for this. So hopefully that'll make it in my mind better. It, it'll be easier to clear that bar. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I, obviously absolute carnage did bore me. Like you say, it just felt needless. It, it didn't feel like it needed to be this big giant, crossover that it could have just stayed within the Venom book and been its own thing as opposed to being like a summer event because you raise the stakes whether you're trying to or not and when it ends up really having no greater bearing on things and obviously I could be sitting here eating my words because the king and black thing is going to maybe explain why the absolute carnage thing wasn't as big and this is now the big thing. And this is maybe like part two of a big three-part thing that he's doing. Or this part two of a big two-part thing he's doing. I don't know. I like Donny Cates. I just hope they don't oversaturate this and make it not mean anything. I, I agree. And when I say it was tedious, I wasn't bored by it. Basically, I think it comes down to that line. And I think maybe Spider-Man said it. It was when they were sitting in the, the diner. And he basically just goes, when did we stop fighting you know, street level guys. And now we're fighting gods of like the symbiotes. And I'm like, that's what it was. It just seemed very unlike Venom and Spider-Man for me. You know what I mean? So, and it's just going, it's, it's got, uh, it's got Scott Snyder-itis. It seems like it's going to get bigger. And I always say like, you know, the bigger you get, you can only get so big before it's like, you know, you can't, you can't get any bigger. It's just, I don't know. So that's my take on it. I, I wish them luck. Um, but I hope it's not bloated like you said either. Right. And I think the thing is by attempting to make it more important, they made it mean less. 
There you go. And I'll and and nothing. I'm tired of nothing will be the same. Everything will be different because it's never different. Because they even like this week with Empire. Um, before they they launch, you know, a couple of the books are like after this, you know, the Marvel Universe will never be the same after Empire. I'm like, I highly doubt that. I hi- highly doubt whenever you know one of these corporate you know uh, properties goes, it'll never be the same. Yeah. Because we, I've been around long enough in comics, Joe, to know it always comes back around. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, this is something maybe we'll talk about a little bit more uh, later. But there was a bunch of big events that happened at the Big Two from, like, 1986 to 1992. Mm-hmm. And those are the only events that have stuck. And those are the only events that matter because those are the ones that everyone keeps going back to and back to and back to over and over and over again. Right. But then every time you go back, I, to me, it lessens the original. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, to- well, one- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm done. Go ahead. Sorry. One thing that might be good is uh, the DC October solicitations are starting to trickle out. Uh, inferior five, not on the list. No, in- <laughs> no, no information about that. However, uh, there are two new horror anthologies that are coming out with some big name creators: uh, Tom King, James Tinian, Marv Wolfman, uh, Vita Ala, amongst many others. One is Swamp Thing centric. The other one is called The Doomed and the Damned. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I like horror anthologies, and when you get the big guns to do them. I think more people will buy them. So maybe they'll do more of them if they're good. Right. And I've always said, I love anthologies and I like, because usually you get like a, you know, it depends on what it is, like four pages, eight pages, you know, to tell your story. And to me, like, especially when you have these heavy hitters on it, because I always found a lot of the holiday specials or these anthology books or hundred page specials or whatever. They're always great tryout books and they're a great way to see like, Hey, this guy can, or this, this woman can tell a great story in eight pages or four pages. They only have that to work with. And it's amazing. Then they're going to be much better when they have a bigger, uh, you know, a, a, a bigger place to draw on stuff like that because you have more room to work. And that's why I love these books. So seeing like big name creators doing like littler stories and anthology stuff, I'm a sucker for all that. So I'll probably be getting, a, well, one, just because one swamp thing, and I pretty much get everything swamp thing related. Uh, but the other one, the doom, the, the doomed and the damned or whatever that, that one I'm going to be all over also. So I look forward to these. So, another thing DC is doing, um, as we discussed a couple weeks ago, um, much of what was supposed to come out for Free Comic Book Day back in May is going to be parsed out over the next, like, two and a half months from all the different publishers. One of the notable omissions from the list was DC, as DC's Free Comic Book Day stuff was supposed to heavily tie into the Generation Zero stuff, which for a variety of reasons apparently seems to not be happening, but a story out of that book is still going to get printed in the trade of the current Flash stuff or the Flash miniseries that came out recently. Right, the Wally miniseries that was Flash Forward, which okay. was him redeeming himself after uh, what was the 
What was the Christ, Heroes, Heroes in crisis. crisis? Yes. Yes. So what's the importance of this? Why are, like, obviously it wasn't part of the miniseries because it was supposed to be part of the free comic book day thing, but now it's being collected. So does that mean you need to get the trade of this so that you have the full correct thing of it? Well, here's the thing. Okay. Um, I, I wanted the free comic book day issue because it would have this story and it. it would go with my single issues. And I like, that's just one of the things, but in it, at the end of the story, um, Wally ends up getting the, 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 the Mobius chair from new gods and he ends up somehow getting, which was imbued with the power of Dr. Manhattan. So he's all knowing, all seeing whatever he has. He's got powers. It wasn't really explained at the end of the, 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 the mini series. So this was supposed to lead into that. But in this, he ends up tweaking stuff and I guess he's picking and choosing. Like he's like, Oh, the, the, the thing was shattered, whatever Dr. Manhattan did to it. So he's picking and choosing the parts he needs to sew things back together. It's like, oh, well, here's the original Wolfman and, and uh, Perez Titans. Like, that was messed up because of this. So I'm putting that back in. And here's the death of Superman. That was changed for New 52. I'm, that, I'm restoring that. And, he's, and one of the panels is he's, he restores, it says, like, hope. That's the, the, the caption in this one panel. And it's the cover to Justice League number one from 1987. And I was like, oh, so they're, re, they're bringing back with this that Justice League International, which was wiped out in New 52, is coming back. And I'm like, this is fantastic. I would have loved to have the free comic book day, that uh, single issue that says this. But no, they're putting it in the trade, which I'm not going to buy the trade to get a couple of pages. I don't know. I don't like all of this. Like this is that the, the way they, they collect things and, and gives you Ajita. This one upsets me. So it's all around things that I don't like that, but it was leading into the five G, which is going a different way. But now they're saying that all this stuff with Wally is going to lead into what's the, the, the dark metal book or whatever it is. So I'm like, I don't know anymore. I'm getting overwhelmed with all this stuff. Uh, but I really would have liked that issue. So that's my take on all of this. So if it makes you feel any better, Todd, even though I'm not reading those books and, you know, obviously I get where you're coming from, you have a much deeper and pure affinity for those JLI era heroes than I do. Not to say that I don't love them. I just don't love them the way that you do because I still have those books and I could just read them at any time, whether they're part of the current continuity or not. They're, part of my continuity and that's really the only continuity that matters but i think it's dirty cool on dc to put that material in a trade when it wasn't part of the existing book i, I get fixing a coloring on something or maybe there was a misprint or maybe panels were out of order or whatever it was like fixing errors like that but like whole cloth putting in stories that kind of change what the gist of the story is, or we publish in single issues something that was incomplete because mm -hmm. the free comic book day thing never came out because we're just not doing all of this. But there's this one piece that we're still going to do. We're not going to put it out in a single issue, but you can get it over here. And now that's going to lead to this other thing that you may or may not care about, probably going to lead to don't care about. Right. It's a lot of work. So yes. I'm just hoping that some of those uh, free comic book day 
issues didn't get pulped and they worked their way into my hot little hands because, you know, then I would get it uh, PGXed and I would make a mint. That's right. That's how these things work. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, next weekend would have been San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> and just this past weekend, uh, they are doing San Diego Comic Con at home for free. All the panels, all the whatevers, all the everything, all the companies that we're doing exclusives at San Diego Comic-Con are now doing them directly through their own website. So, you know, Funko and everything else that was doing exclusives, uh, what's the, I'm not going to beat myself. I know NECA does some exclusives. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a bunch. Every like the San Diego, New York Comic Con. There's San Diego's the bigger one, where it's just like exclusives out the wazoo. Yeah, Super Seven is another one that does a lot of exclusive figures and stuff. Um, so they released like what, and everything's just going to be streaming on YouTube. And I I put it in the show notes only because there's programming that starts next Wednesday. Okay, mm-hmm. and then it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I can't imagine how anyone could keep up with this. Like, if you're there, you went there with the express purpose, I'm going to go to a panel. And it seems as though there's like 10 panels going on at a time on the hour, every hour, every day, starting next Wednesday. You mean like a real San Diego Comic-Con? Right. And that's the thing, because when I'm not at San Diego Comic-Con, all this stuff just kind of washes over me. Like, okay, it's happening. I don't see it. But, man, it's a lot of stuff going on. Like, more power to him. I take my hat, my John Cena hat off to San Diego for trying to do something with this. But I can't imagine, like, being at home, looking at all the stuff that they have going on, and trying to, like, schedule, like, your home life. Where you didn't car like you go to San Diego, you've carved that time out of your life for the express purpose of doing X in San Diego. Whether mm-hmm. it be standing in line to have the Rob autograph something that he doesn't want to autograph, <laughs> or you know, you're, I'm going to spend an entire day sleeping in this hall so I can see the trailer for the new Twilight movie. You know, you you've you've carved that time out of your day, but you're at home. You probably have stuff to do at home, and now you have to like figure out like, well, the one panel that I want to watch on Thursday is at the same time as seven other panels for some reason, you know? Right. But if now these are all people who weren't going to San Diego, a lot of the people who were going to go to San Diego and have that, like, you know, sleep in the hallway or get the book signed, the book not signed by the Rob, like they might all have vacation time and they're going to be home to do whatever they want. Um, So it's all the people who weren't going to go to San Diego. I really look at this as it's, it's it's still easy. Just go to your you know your your comic book news sites, and that's how I always filtered all the craziness that went on at any con, even when I was at it. And I'm actually surprised comic cons, especially the big ones, New York and San Diego, haven't done this before while they're actually running. Why wouldn't they make the panels available to the people at home to watch? I mean, obviously you probably wouldn't be able to interact. I'm hoping actually something comes out of this and, you know, it opens it up. Like everybody's like, oh, it's more special when only, you know, a thousand people can see it or a hundred people can see it. I'm like, no, 
it's not. So I, I like this idea. I don't know. But like I said, it's my, it, it's, I, I've lived through this going to a con where there's seven things going on at once that I kind of want to watch at the con or do at the con. So it's a juggling act, just like everything in life, Joe. And like, like I said, if you, if you, if you can't handle it, take, take some time off work. Who's going to miss you right now? You'd be surprised. So, but I don't know. Are you going to go to any of the, are you going to watch any of the, the, uh, the panels if you can? I don't think I can. Um, just because the times of them don't coincide with like the times that I'm doing stuff, you know? I'm wondering now that, like, because I asked this, I'm wondering if they're going to, like, because they're on YouTube, if they're going to be available to watch. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. not, like, obviously they'll be, like, live is live. But, like, when it's over, will they be, still be there on you? Like, will there be a San Diego Comic-Con, uh, uh, what do you call it, channel, if you will? Like, on YouTube, they call them that? Like, where it's like, here's all our videos? I don't know. I think that'd be another great idea. It's like, hey, I missed this one, mm-hmm. but I can watch this one now if I want to. I, I can DVR it because it's always there. They're leaving money on the table, you know? You put yeah. some ads at the beginning and the end, and you're good to go. I'm sure someone is going to, you know, I'm sure they know a way to monetize these things. They're no dummies. And I'm sure there's going to be a way that everything is going to be archived somewhere, either by themselves, like they'll have the live streaming channel. But I don't know, man. It just seems like a daunting task when you're at home. Mm-hmm. That's all. Even, like I say, it's even a bigger task when you're there. So. Uh-huh. So, uh, one of the other things we mentioned about uh, the different folks, uh, your NECAs, your Funko Pops, your, uh, uh, um, I keep, what's the seven? I said it before, Retro Seven? No. Somebody's yelling at me while I'm saying this. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, all the exclusives at San Diego, well, Marvel has their own exclusive. Now, granted, they've retrofitted it to San Diego because this was originally supposed to come out in February. And it was originally supposed to come out in April, and that got canceled for whatever reason. But now, the official launch of Marvel Made, um, which is what they're doing in conjunction with some of the different Comic-Cons, and of course, in conjunction with San Diego. uh, It's a Marvel Made Scotty Young premiere bundle. Now listen, I'm a Scotty Young fan, so this piqued me up. And as the fact that they tried to float this idea two times previously, and it kind of got delayed. But now the fact that it's uh, announced with all these premiums and so forth, Todd. Mm -hmm. So we have the premiere bundle for $200, Todd. Right. You get the full set of 10 limited edition Scotty Young art-based enamel pins. Ooh. But also by getting the premiere bundle, you get five additional bundle exclusive pins. Right. Uh, you get an advanced suit Spider-Man uh, based on something out of the video game. I don't know what that means. You also get an exclusive Scotty Young variant cover for Excalibur number one, whatever. Um, and you also get an oversized hardcover notebook. Uh, with a one-of-a-kind illustration, I guess a sketchbook or something. So, like, that's kind of cool. Um, but if that $200 is too rich for your blood, you could buy $30 blind boxes 
that have two random pins in them from the 10 base set, not the additional five that you can only get from the exclusive um, set thing there. Um, so how, how many should I put you down for? Well, the joke would be two, but I'm going to say zero. I think the makers of this um, are taking all of the things involved in this bundle, Scotty Young, and pins, and Excalibur, and variant covers, and sketchbooks, and I think overestimating that there's crossover amongst all of those things, right? Right. And granted, they're doing a limited amount of them. They're only doing like 2,500 of them. And like the pins are still going to be out there in the blind boxes. And there's people who like the pins. So you do have that. But this just feels like you're getting like five different random subsects of fandom and hoping enough of them cross over that they'd be willing to spend the money on this. You don't think there's 2,500 uh, Scotty Young fans who pay for it? And see, that's the thing. 2,500 Scotty Young fans who want all 15 pins, who want that Excalibur variant and the sketchbook. Mm -hmm. I I hope there is. I like Scotty Young. I'm a fan. I like his work. I hope he makes a lot of money off this. Right. Now, my take on this is you don't need to sell 2,500 sets to fans. You just need to sell a bunch to fans and a bunch to people who think these will go up someday. So that's your, that's your rub because a lot of times at these cons, you know, all right, $200 is a lot, but a lot of these like uh, exclusives from San Diego, they sell out all the time at, at crazy amounts, you know, of money and weird things. And they have a few left over. Now these are for people who buy them directly at the show. Now you have everybody in America gets a shot at one of these, you know, 2,500 Scotty Young things. I think they'll sell out. Whether they'll all go to fans or people speculating doesn't matter. But I think they'll come close or they'll sell out. Okay. I don't know. Because you've upped the number of prospects of buying it. I guess. I don't know. Like, I I could definitely see people... Like, buying it and then piecemealing it out, you know? Like, I could see, like, okay, you like the pins, you like the variant cover, I want the sketchbook. Like, we'll split it three ways or four ways or whatever we determine it being. Or I go and buy it and I know I can unload the pins on some dope. I mean, uh, some pin pin pal, you know? Right. Um, that being said, if I was a sketch guy, I would absolutely want that sketchbook. Mm-hmm. And I just laugh that, you know, he's smart enough to not to have stickers in there to bring it down. Uh, well, the stickers he sends to the real fans. There you go. <laughs> Two at a time. Yes, yes. Uh, lastly, maybe before we move on to one more segment is it was announced uh, over the weekend that uh, the Batman... Uh, the the movie that's coming out that's right. starring the boy from the Twilight. Yep. Uh, is going to be getting a companion piece on HBO Max, not on DC Universe, sadly. <laughs> that may be kind of like the street level stuff, and it sounds 
a lot like them doing like Gotham Central alongside this. Right. And this is the first time that I've cared about the new Batman project since they announced that they were doing a new Batman project. This that's kind of why I sent this along because as I was reading it, and I don't remember if it was in this, you know, news snippet that I sent you, or it was one of the other uh, five. Cause you always say I'm a games radar guy. So, uh, I, I saw it. And in one of them, they were like, with the feel that it seems like that they're going for is Gotham central. And I'm like, Joe's going to be all over this. And I like the idea too, because I read Gotham central and it was really good. And I may, if they do go the Gotham central route, um, I may be looking forward to more to this more than I am the actual, the Batman movie. So that's, to me, that's that's really interesting. But who knows? It may turn out them just doing Fox's The Gotham, doing that done right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So eh, I don't know. We'll see. Right. But you know, we'll probably watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I'm I, I like the street level stuff as long as they don't like start like playing fast and loose with the characters and like weirdly aging people like Bruce Wayne's little boy and him and the penguin have been best friends, but the penguin's 40 years older than him for some reason. And Pamela Isley, that's a dumb name for poison Ivy. Let's call her Ivy pepper. And it's like, all right guys, come on. Well, as long as they don't bring Azrael and everything will be good. Well, they listen, you want to kill the show off, have Ted <laughs> have Ted McGinley come on playing as well, you know? Oh Gets beat up by some street toughs. Uh-huh. There was one other thing that I wanted to find, but we did have a thing pop up. Um I guess as like we read this here. Um so Free Comic Books Day stuff is hitting stores as we speak, as you're listening to this, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently in the X-Men one, I don't know if it's X-Men related, I assume that it's going to be uh, based on it being in the X-Books, uh, but Tom Taylor is going to have a big Marvel crossover universe thing uh, coming out this fall that gets teased in the Free Comic Book Day stuff. Right. Just called Dark Ages. And that's all it says. It's just Dark Ages. Where were you when the lights went out? The so- a saga of the Marvel Universe by Tom Taylor. So, hey, uh, I've become a Tom Taylor fan recently based on his work on the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so him getting a big thing to do with Marvel is a big deal. I think that's pretty cool. Good job on you. I'll check it out. I've been enjoying his stuff. Uh, uh- I'm enjoying his stuff. I, I was, you know, a Tom Taylor guy, just a slightly longer than you, I think. And um, I'm going to read this despite the fact that it's X-Men stuff. So, um, I'm, you know, Tom Taylor, I'm going to give it a try. Maybe uh, I can see. find somebody to explain it to me in a minute or something like that. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> we keep throwing that joke out there and no one bites. So, I think uh, that ship may have sailed, sadly. Yeah. And I was looking for the uh, competing headlines about this next segment, because, of course, since we're done with the news, it's now time for... Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now... The Rob Watch. Get suckered in by the Rob. I bought the Grifter book. 
Uh, I bought the 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 major X book, and I bought the Snake Eyes book. You know, you also, didn't you buy the Lobo book too? I bought the Lobo book too. And how many times were you fooled? Every single time. <laughs> there you go. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me four times. It has to be the Rob. Fool me every goddamn time. <laughs> well, maybe next time you'll be telling the truth. And, you know, his writing has gotten better. The Rob Watch. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Rob is back. I'm listening to his podcast. Um, it's exactly what you think it would be. <laughs> for better or for worse. Uh, Rob really loves the history of comics pre his like time in comics speaks very highly of it. And I understand why it was a lot of good stuff there during those times. And if you are a fan of that stuff and you're a fan of the Rob and you want to hear him talk about that sort of stuff, then the podcast is for you. When the Rob gets into more recent stuff, you know, buyer beware. (laughs) You do you. He's uh, the candy. But, he's the candy dots of comic book podcasts. Uh, we're not there yet. <laughs> Baby steps there. Right. Let's hope. Let's hope no one uh, decides to weaponize the Rob. You know. <laughs> That's right. Uh, that being said, Snake Eyes Dead Game, the uh, reinvigoration of the GI Joe line, comes out this week. And uh, how many covers does this, uh, how many variant covers does this have? And uh, how many of these variant covers will Rob sign? The Rob sign, excuse me. Right, show some respect. Um, (laughs) Isn't it like 36? So there's 36. How many of the covers are by the Rob himself? Um, I didn't do all the math for this, but I, how, how, how long is, is it just for the issue one, right? You mean not like the whole series? Okay. So issue one has 36 variant covers and nine are done by the Rob himself. Ooh, that's a, it's a solid amount. I, I assume once we're within two weeks of issue two coming out, we'll know Uh, how many variant covers Issue 2 has, and so on and so forth. I'm assuming Issue 2 is not going to have 36, but I'm going to guess Issue 2 is going to have at least 10. I'm dropping it down to 24. And, you know, the Rob does like to tout how the numbers on this book are doing so well, and it's outselling, you know, whatever the most recent G.I. Joe whatever is by however many numbers it is. And, listen, the this number of variant covers kind of inflates those numbers, you know? It does not. It's yeah. simply the Rob's essence that is selling these books. Uh-huh. Stop that. Next, you're going to tell me they're going to slide, like, you know, different cards in polybag versions of those 36. So the, you know, you have different amounts of different things. So now you have to not only get 36 books, but you might not get all the cards you know, would that up the ratio of books? That's just crazy talk, Joe. And you know how I mentioned before about the Rob's podcast, where if you're a fan of comics before Todd or the Rob became a big deal in comics, and maybe you were a fan of the time that the Rob was in comics and everything had the number ones and everything sold and all the number ones were this thing. And 
I'd, I'd like to think that that mentality is gone, but as long as people like the Rob still exist in comic books, that'll never go away. And it, more than... I would safely say that there are probably just as many people that would buy the premium Scotty Young bundle at $200 that would buy all 36 of these The Rob variant covers. Uh, there will be. I, I know people... You know, who be like, all right, I only have, you know, I have a wife and I have kids and I only have X amount of money to spend on comics. And it'll be like, all right, well, what did you pick up this week? Well, I picked up Amazing Spider-Man and the variant and the variant and the variant. And I also picked up Batman. And you're like, oh, okay, so you only get four comics a month or you can only afford four comics a month. And three of them are the same book. Yes. And that's fine because I know you're like me. You don't believe in gatekeeping and, you know, what this is how you have to collect. But I can't wrap my mind around that. Because if I only have the money for four comics, I want four different comics. Touche. And I want to read, I want the, like to read more. I want to be able to read four things. Now, that's not to say that I haven't bought variant covers because it's like oh i i like this cover and i like this cover but i think i would probably weed that out if 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 you know that was all i could like and i know people who you know i've seen them at the shop where it's like i need all the variants to this you know they have more money but most of their their collection is this and then the seven variant covers to that issue and i'm like wow i don't know if that's a completist you know mentality or whatever but I just can't fathom it, but that's 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 been in comics forever to a lesser degree in collecting everything. You need everything, but people have the businesses have have figured out that we can we can inflate that to different things, and it's you know, it, I don't know. I just it, it boggles me. So I, I wish you luck. Buy whatever you want, but it's going to be here forever. It's never going away, Joe. It still doesn't make me any less sad. Right. Well, you know, comics have changed over the course of, you know, our collecting them. What, how long have you been collecting them now? 30 years? Well, like tw- let's say 28 years. Let's say 30, like uh, 28 years actively, 31 years passively. Mm-hmm. So, you know, lots of things have changed in that time. Uh-huh. Luckily, I'm still young and my body hasn't changed, so... But. That's true. So one thing that has not changed is conventions are officially back as of this weekend. <laughs> there's uh, conventions in St. Louis. There's two in Florida, which I'm not surprised by. Uh, there's the Huntsville Comic and Pop Culture Con uh, that Chris Claremont is going to be at. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter is going to be there. Uh, Lex Luger is going to be there, of all people. Not the Superman villain, but the man of many allocades. Um, one of these conventions happening this weekend on their website says, COVID can't keep us down. So, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, uh, if you're going to a convention this weekend, be careful, everyone. Um, or, you know, wait till next weekend and do that San Diego thing that I said seems, uh, very daunting and scary to an old man. 
Right, right. I mean, I was just looking in one of my Facebook groups about like sketches and stuff like that, and Long Beach Comic Con canceled for whatever week that was supposed to be. So uh, we'll see. You know, like some of them do do cancel, but I would not go to a convention right now or any time in the near future. But you know, you do you. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, this is a segment of the show that we've always had, so I'd be remiss not to let you know that these conventions are happening, but. You know, everybody be safe. That's all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wear a mask. You know, it's, you know, pretend it's cosplay or something. You're cosplaying as, I don't know, does the Joker wear a mask? I don't know. Does he? No, I think Azrael wears a mask to hide his face. Uh, he should be hiding a lot more. He should just hide in general. That's right. I say be careful because the con crud's a little more vir- virulent this year. Uh, well, again, I don't want to pe- speculate that, you know, the it came to the United States and Washington State and Florida. There's big conventions that happen there all the time. Is this just like super con crud? Is that what this is? It might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, digital books and sales is a bunch of stuff on sale, new sales, old sales, stuff lingering. I didn't get the email from, I don't like the way Comixology does their sales now. Right. Uh, it's not a handy dandy thing. They dole them out during the course of the day on a Wednesday. Uh, sometimes the link don't take you to the full thing, so I don't. Know, I get a little frustrated with the way this goes. Uh, Valiant is still having a sale on both all their graphic novels and then just stuff involving the Faith character. Uh, Dark Horse is having a sale on Umbrella, Umbrella Academy stuff. Image is having a sale on Greg Rucka stuff. Marvel is having a sale on Avengers stuff. And, of course, DC and just yet another catch-all. Uh, Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One is having the Super Summer Sizzler sale. I may have threw that super in there, but the mm. Summer Sizzler sale. Do they have a Summer Ponderosa sale? You beat me to it. You're, you're reading ahead on the script. The ones that have the J in front of them are my lines. The ones that have the T in front of them are your lines. We need to get somebody to highlight your parts <laughs> so that you make sure that you overlook those. That's right. Drop paper. <laughs> Remember that from Annie? No, I don't. I Where, saw uh, Annie like a hundred times when it was on HBO as a child and then probably never again after that. Dad, Daddy Warbucks was doing like a radio. Th- I forget what it was for. There's probably somebody yelling, yelling at us right now what it was for. And he was reading the copy. But it was like whatever was on the paper he would read, it would be like, you know, so then you have to give to the war bonds, drop paper. You know what I mean? And that you would go on to the next one. And he was reading every line and they were just like, oh, my God. And he's like, I think he was like reading sound of like add sound effects and stuff like that, too. So every time you finish a page, you you say drop paper. Mm -hmm. Uh, But all the links to the sales and the freebies and stuff will be in the show notes that accompany this episode. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Where would you, Todd, like to begin? I'm going to start with the book I think we were both looking forward to most last week, which was Batman uh, 94, written by James Tinian IV and art by Gilliam March. Basically, this whole issue is the epilogue to the prelude of the Joker War. So uh, 
like Joker's master plan has pretty much come to fruition. He's ready to, you know, begin his literal war on Batman and Gotham. It's where all the pieces are set up now as to like, we find out that certain characters are missing where the Catwoman is and like what's going on there, which is, is most interesting uh, where Lucius Fox is because he was going to go and where he's needed in the Alfred role, but he's like, I can't do that. I have to go off and do the CEO role because they're trying to take all your money. And then the Joker base basically says, well, I've beaten you up, Batman. You know, you're hurting, you're bleeding out. Fix yourself up because, you know, round two starts now. And I, I liked this issue. Um, I love this story arc overall. Um, but I just feel like we knew joker war was coming so we i knew we weren't going to get a big bang at the, at the end of this everything that we knew was kind of coming is here and it's just like uh and i don't feel like it's really the end of a story i don't even feel like it's the end of a chapter this is all part of joker war to me i don't know how to explain it it's good but doesn't feel like an ending to me so it you know i do, do you get what i'm trying to say joe yes so i think those are the best stories where, you know, it doesn't feel like a definitive end when it's one person who's writing everything, where everything mm -hmm. just flows and it makes it feel as though there's no spot where you can just walk away. Right. If the story is good enough and the writer is good enough, then you're not going to want to walk away. You're going to want to continue with whatever they're doing in this story, right? Right. And that's what I feel this does very well, but... What you're saying, I think, makes a lot of sense, of course, because as this is all starting up, and as this is the prelude to the end of the beginning of the middle of the Joker War, <laughs> right? I, I think the real story that's being told here, and, you know, you tell me if you think I'm wrong, or if I'm, uh, you know, kind of just talking silly here, or whatever. So, there's been many a times where Batman has had to go things alone, without a Robin, without, you know, a partner, without you know, Catwoman or whomever it is, right? Right. And he's done that many times before. But in all the Batman stories, or at least a good majority of Batman stories, he's never had to go without Alfred. Right. And this is that. This is the first time in a long time that Batman may not have a Robin to rely on, may not have another person of his extended family to rely on. But most importantly... He's about to take on maybe the biggest challenge of his life or, you know, this fiscal quarter <laughs> with no Alfred. Right. And that's an interesting way to look at it because I didn't look at it quite like that. And that's a great take. I totally, I totally give you credit for that. But it's also to me, the more that I was thinking is that he has to go up all, against all of this without an Alfred and he does not have a deep bench of toys because whatever he uses, he better sparingly because he doesn't have the Batcave. He doesn't have like, you know, Wayne tech to back him up and these gadgets, like whatever I got in my belt and whatever I have in these like stored up in safe houses, I have to use sparingly because once it's gone, it's gone. So he, it's even, he's more up against the wall, but my take on it is more like reading the, uh, the, the the credits at the end and it's like here's jim james, james tinney in the fourth and gillian march but it's also their dark their dark designs finale and i'm like you're throwing finale on a book and 
we're not there. That's kind of what I mean. But yeah, it's it's interesting because it more feels like this is where the trade ends, so we have to put finale. If that makes any sense, right? So, but right. I like all of the way, the way you look at it, and I think it's been. I mean, he uh, he's had Alfred all the way back to you know Batman Year One, which was an okay story. So it's going to be an interesting you know road to hoe. So, uh, so it's good. Batman's been really good, and as we'd mentioned before, some of the October solicitations are coming out, and they're not renumbering Batman with a new number one after issue 100, which is right. surprising to me. Super surprising to me. Super. Uh, very interesting marketing there, but, you know, obviously you, you run it out to, like, say, 106, and you could do another 101 after that. But anyway. Hmm. Um, we're going to talk about Empire Fantastic Four number zero, and maybe a little bit about Empire Avengers uh, number zero. Uh, just a little bit. Um, I know you read the Fantastic Four one written by Dan Slott uh, with art by uh, Sean Isacott is a case. Sean is a case and uh, R.B. Silva on the art. Did you read the Avengers one or no? I did not read the Avengers one. Okay. So quickly, I'll just say I read the Avengers one when it came out last week. And a lot of it uh, is what's going on on the blue side of the moon, right? The blue, mm -hmm. right? And there's plant life there. There's growth there. Um, there's celestial types there. There's Kree there. And a lot of the narrative of it is told through the eyes of Tony Stark and how he can't believe that this is happening and how it's changing him and how he could feel this change coming. And there's a little smattering of differences of opinions between him and Carol Danvers. But this is more or less aligning the Avengers with the crate in mm -hmm. whatever is coming up, okay? Right. I was worried and concerned that the Fantastic Four one was going to be something with them, Marvel, aligning the Fantastic Four with the Skrull so that we could get a roundabout way to get Avengers versus Fantastic Four and then pushing the Kree and the Skrull stuff to the background. Thankfully, okay. that wasn't the case. Right, which doesn't even work in my brain as a narrative because the biggest enemy to the Scroll Empire has always kind of been the FF, hence the Super Scroll, you know, one of their biggest villains. So I'm glad they didn't do that that either, you know. It just I just felt like I had nothing to base it on because I didn't read any of the solicitation text, but because the Avengers issue was so heavy-handed in setting the Avengers up as kind of being on the Cree side, I'm like, oh, the Fantastic Four one is going to do this. So I built expectations up for the story in my head, preparing myself for disappointment. They didn't do it, so I enjoyed it that much more. I'm glad. Uh, but yeah, so this was a fun story in that the Fantastic Four break down. Uh, they get towed to a planet where, uh, where they are in the cosmos Currently, there is no credits. There is no money. Everything is in a barter system. And that raises a bunch of red flags to read. Uh, Johnny becomes the hype man to get Ben into these battles that are happening in this Coliseum. Sue is kind of taking care of everyone because everyone's a dunderhead in the Fantastic Four, even Reed. And uh, Franklin and Valeria decide that they're going to go and gamble because Valeria is so smart. She could figure out all the games and things don't go quite as she hoped they would. Mm -hmm. 
but I really like this issue. Um, it was fun. They there was only like one little tiny bit of clunky dialogue from Sue early on in the issue, but other than that, uh, I thought this was a very good issue. If you were not getting Empire, I think this would just go right in your current Fantastic Four collection, written by Dan Slott. Um, but uh, hang on, let me get to the thing. So their ship breaks down. Uh, Captain Barnuka comes and <laughs> makes them the offer. Uh, and uh, Sue's like, let me see how many credits you have. Uh, I have. And he's like, easy there. Your money's no good with me. And she says, that's nice of you to say. And why I understand that, yes, the Fantastic Four are famous, and we have saved the universe a number of times, we'd still like to pay you for, and then that's when he says the plot that credits are no longer good in the galaxy. But it was just like, I, I think we know who the Fantastic Four are. Right. Well, you gotta get over on the new people, too, Joe. I guess, I guess. But uh, I also like uh, the fact that we get introduced to a new villain, which is the Profiteer. Uh, I think is, the, is her name. She's the game's master's sister or whatever so i'm like okay I, I like this i thought the issue looked absolutely gorgeous um i really like the art on this and like uh the profiteer and everything looked amazing but i will say this like you said like this slides right into an ff story this might be the most fun i had reading an ff story in all of dan slots run except for maybe the uh, the Hulk uh, thing fight, which is a classic every time they do it. Some of that Doom stuff early on. But this, this is the most they felt like a family because a lot of, in the book, the, the main book, they were split up. Johnny and, you know, goes off to help, you know, Wyatt Wingfoot or they're doing this and the team is separated. I don't know. It's just, there's something about this. They go and do... John, Johnny is the hype man and thing he's going to be in the fight and they they bust like Ocean's Eleven style the, the casino I'm like all of this is a blast and it might be my favorite Fantastic Four story in a while just because I had fun and then there's there's repercussions because of it at the end which kind of makes me want to read Empire which I've been really 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 lukewarm on going into all of this. So I'm glad I really enjoyed this uh, Empire Fantastic Four Zero. Right. And then uh, Empire itself comes out this week. Uh, and I'm excited for that. I was excited for it from the beginning just because, um, you know, I like Al Ewing. I like Dan Slott. And, you know, I like the, the players that were involved. And these two issues kind of uh, set the stage for what the event is going to be. And sadly, of course, uh, these are books that were ready to go come like late March, early April. So there's ads in there for co comic conventions that have long since been canceled. <laughs> Miniseries and tie-ins that have long since been canceled. A um, lot of stuff. So, you know, I think a lot of comics, at least for the next like month or two, are going to be these like weird time capsules of stuff from the two months prior that don't happen, didn't happen, or can't happen. Right. But that's not a critique of the book itself. That's just critiques of the ads in the book. Right. Then don't read really old comics, Joe, because the ads are going to seem really out of date. But that's that's different. Uh, it's, you know, this is like the recent past as opposed to, you know, when I when I read an issue of Batman from 1988 and there's an, an ad in there for World Wrestling Entertainment Steel Cage Challenge for the NES, 
I don't say, oh, I missed out on this. I'm like, no, that that's come and gone. I know that's a thing of the past. I do look at the back of a comic from the 80s and go, gosh darn, I miss Bubble Yum. <laughs> I miss Bonkers Candy as well. Mm. I miss Reese's Pieces. I miss Fruit Stripe Gum. I miss every candy that was the back cover of every comic book from 1986 to 1990. Mm-hmm. Whatchamacallit's all of them. Right. I'm going to the candy store tomorrow, Todd. You want anything? <laughs> yes, I do. I want to whatchamacallit. Yes. Candy's expensive these days. Don't buy candy. Anyway. Especially <laughs> gummy candy. Oh, boy. I know a girl. Anyway. <laughs> She'll read you the riot act. <laughs> uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's look into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books before worn, before armed, know what's coming out this week. Also in that post is Todd and I's list of books that we are getting this week. And we attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am in the lead by one correct guess because we both got everything wrong last week. Let me look at Todd's list to see if I could figure out what he is most looking forward to coming out this week. And it's not the flash forward trade because that's not on his list. Mm. I'm rubbing my chin. Chin rubber. I'm going to say Immortal Hulk 35. It is not. Ooh, okay. It is Strange Adventures number three. I've been really enjoying Strange Adventures. Okay, all right. Fair enough. You know your business. I do know my business. You have an you have a pretty large list, and I believe you even say, okay, now comics are finally back, Joe. That's right. Um, is the book that you are looking forward to most? There's a lot of Al Ewing stuff here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a change up. Is the book you're looking forward to most Snake Eyes Dead Game number one? It's not. Oh, that's the book you should be looking forward to. That your one true love this week. <laughs> My one true love. Um, I'm not gonna say that I'm not reading it second. Uh, but no, of course, it's a week where Immortal Hulk comes out. Immortal Hulk, uh, unless Saga came back as a surprise tomorrow and no one told me, uh, Immortal Hulk is a tough one to beat. So no movement there. Uh, but yeah, it's another great week of books. Uh, a nice, full, hefty week of books. And, uh, we will be talking about Snake Eyes Dead Game on the show <laughs> next week. Do I guarantee it? I guarantee it. Wow. You know, let me borrow your copy, huh? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, you'll have to, when you uh, come drop off my comics, before you drop them off, I'm going to make you read my copy of Snake Eyes on the Porch, but I'm not going to record it for Porch Pals, because that only takes place on a special porch. Uh, but if I read it, do you want me to read it to you and do all the sound effects? Please. Well, my Snake Eyes impersonation is amazing, Joe. <laughs> The voice I use, spot on. So I mentioned porch <laughs> uh, porch talk, of course. I didn't mention it during the convention stuff because <laughs> I'm still a little shooken by that one that said COVID won't keep us down. Uh, but soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, all the shows in the soon to be named network, whenever they go up live, you could find them in their own individual sites or at soon to be named network.com or anytime anyone appears on another show. 
anytime, anywhere, anyhow, I think. Uh, David, uh, formerly of Podvocacy, does a lot of the bumper stuff here on many of the other shows. Uh, is going to be appearing on one of those like movie-by-minute podcasts coming up here in the near future, so keep your eyes out for that. Of course, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Argument, Wednesday Night War, Final Wrestling Place, and Porch Talk, all at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out our store uh, with uh, links to shirts and stickers and pins in-house, on hand, we can get those sent out to you immediately. Or if you want even more designs and more things inspired by this show, After Dark, At Odds, Final Wrestling Place, on even more things from mugs to masks to tapestries to cell phone covers, you can find those over at our T Public store. Another way that you can help us out and help yourself out is by signing up for our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You get two bonus shows from myself and Todd, one dealing with comics of the past, flipping through previews from 30 years ago that month, the other talking about the films of comic genius Mel Brooks. At $5 a month, you get those two weeks before everyone else, and you get After Dark every week, three days before everyone else does. Yet another way that you can help out the show is by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon link across the top of the page over at longboxeros.com. They call it an advertising fee because if it was not for us, you would not know that Amazon was a thing. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. And I think this month is going to be a happy month for Todd. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Some of the notable purchases the Amazon click through this past month include... Someone purchased the hardcover volumes of Scott Pilgrim 5 and 6. Somebody also purchased uh, two different Star Wars Expanded Universe novellas. One involving Rogue One and another one involving Ashaka, who's one of those people, I think, from the Rebels cartoon. I'm not really sure. Outside of the main movies, my Star Wars knowledge being chipped away and chipped away uh somebody oh sorry i was just gonna say i think that's that's a scam it sounds like a shaka khan no you're not gonna tell a story about poncho v are you <laughs> no i'm not all right thank you uh somebody also purchased something called fate extella the umbral star noble phantasm edition for the playstation 4 i don't understand any of those words uh <laughs> Somebody else. No, no, I understand him. Uh, somebody purchased the Power Rangers Lightning Collection uh, in Space Psycho Rangers uh, five-pack premium collections with accessories. Somebody also purchased a Dragon Ball Super uh, figure of Janemba. I understand what a Janemba is other than all those things in that PlayStation game. Okay. But thank you, everyone, for any and all of your purchases uh, through the Amazon click-through. Thank you, all the new patrons that we had over the last couple of months. And just thank you for listening to the show, telling a friend, whatever it is, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, I don't think – they don't call it iTunes anymore. They call it Apple Podcast. But that's right. a whole other kettle of fish. I don't know. You leave a review. You don't leave a review. Just retweet when you see the link come out of the show and tell a friend who you think might like comic books or old comic books with – Patreon shows, or Mel Brooks, or whatever it is we do over on Add-Ons with Wrestling, or whatever we do over on 
uh, After Dark. Right. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did. Um, Rebecca's art sent in the work continues of that Ralph Bashke-like piece that they sent in last week, which I'm starting to get a feel of what it is because most of the background in it is in it now. So I do like the way the color is. It looks like a stormy, like, lake or ocean kind of a thing that we're going to go with so uh hopefully we'll you know when it all comes together it'll look really really nice and also i have something this week it is a uh chris Bacallo death by coffee piece which uh is because it's one of my all-time favorite characters i saw it on his site he was putting up random pieces of art that he's like oh here i'm you know i'm home so i'm just drawing i throw it in my like like a big cartel site i think it's called and here you go and i saw it and i was like yep i'll take that and uh i i do say i, I don't like to knock uh chris piccolo because i do like his his original versions of death and the art style that he had but uh, i i don't see that because he's changed his style since and getting those pieces is is darn near impossible so i'm glad that i have this and i i really i'm really glad but he does this is one that he does often i've seen multiple takes on the death by coffee piece but i'm like don't care it's in my collection it's not going anywhere black and white looks really beautiful i'll take it and that is very nice stuff uh, I like Chris Bacallo's art. I know you said his art style has changed. Um, but I've liked all of his changes to the art style. I know, um, you know, some may take it or leave it, but I, uh, I'll i take it anyway. Right. Uh, yeah, I get it. i just saying, like, I prefer one thing over the other. And I'll tell you one story when we're off the air about that. Oh, okay. Look at you go. Yep. About somebody that you know, a good buddy of ours. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, yeah, if you uh, have art that you've purchased recently, maybe you are going to a convention this weekend and there's uh, something you're going to pick up from Lex Luger, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if he's an artist, maybe he is now, we're all artists in our own special way, or whomever, uh, you know, just tweet it at Todd's Art Attack and we'll share it with the rest of the world. Yes, sir. All right, so last but not least is the most recent episode of Stargirl. And I need to update the link because I got to go through like six different links to get to the main episode. But that's on <laughs> me for being a dope for not updating my stuff. If you don't watch it, uh, maybe you watch it late. You don't get a chance to watch it early like Todd and I do with our DC Universe subscription. We bid you adieu. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to episode 511, Long Vox Heroes. And I'm just going to take like a second here to take a sip of water before we start talking about uh, Stargirl. So, uh, rare episode where it feels as though Courtney and her crew are second fiddle to everything that's going on. Uh, very right. heavy brainwave episode, brainwave junior specifically, finding all of his dad's old stuff, seeing how the powers uh, manifested themselves in his father, getting inspiration of how to do that, of course, Courtney wanting brainwave jr to be part of the crew the rest of them specifically yolanda who had been wronged and humiliated publicly by the said brainwave jr um and then of course i think our b story is guess who's coming to dinner it's the icicle he shouldn't hold that hot pot of chicken and dumplings <laughs> the end what did right. you think of this episode 
Um, I really like this episode. Uh, well, I like this episode, except for the part where Brainwave Senior really wastes whole videotapes. Because it's really like, here's day one. Um, I did this thing, and here's 30 seconds of tape. So, you know what? I'm just going to use a whole new tape for day two. It's like, no, I think you could have. think you could have used the rest of the hour. Are you insinuating that VHS tapes were expensive back then? They may have been, because this said decades earlier, Joe. So I was watching, I was laughing, because I was like, yeah, that was a quick use of that tape. And he was just throwing them in. But I did like that it, it it's a quick way to establish, like, Brainwave Jr. doesn't have to learn how to do his powers. And uh, I do think Icicle's got uh, got his eyes on Amy Smart there, Joe. Uh-huh. Um, I'm worried. But uh, I did like the dinner because there was, like, nods where... Uh, you know, the, the the parents were speaking in whatever language, and they're like, they don't like the girl who's Courtney. And but there is a moment that really goes unnoticed. Um, like because everybody focuses on him holding the pot without the with the you know, without the pot holders. And it's the moment when uh Pat's son takes the last of the dumplings. And I thought Icicle wanted to murder the kid right there, like for oh, bad yeah. manners, for bad manners. And I'm like, that's going to be like one of those things that's going to, when he goes to, to, you know, to sweep Amy smart off his fees, you're like, what are you doing with Pat and his son? Who's like, you know, who has no manners and everything. But that moment was really, really cool and small. And it's like little stuff like that, that I absolutely, uh, that I like, but now I'm not sure if uh, brainwave junior did release the pictures because he's saying, you know, remember how we were saying that might've been a red herring. It was Cindy all the time. I'm not yes. sure anymore. I'm 50, 50 on, I think we could still turn it around and go, Cindy used me, but we'll see. So one thing about, uh, the, the brother, little brother, Mike, uh, taking the last of the, the chicken and dumplings. Are you saying Todd that he's got no manners? When he eats his food, he's not fat and lazy, but he's extremely rude. And if that's the sort of life that he wish, then you'd be better off as a fish, or you'd be swinging on a star. Hudson Hawk, nineteen ninety. I love that movie. You said about the bad manners. I had to work that in because it was stuck in my head. Now it's out of my head, so we can continue on. Okay. I think it's very clear that Brainwave Junior did not intentionally leak those photos of Yolanda out. And we are going to get some sort of make-do or some sort of meet-cute between the two of them. Uh, I never knew you felt that way. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Kiss being interrupted. Um, you know, that sort of thing. However, my main problem with this episode, which I liked very much, and I liked all the narrative of setting up Brainwave as being a very important piece of the puzzle we even got a piece of a different puzzle with the seven soldiers of victory stuff which i marked out huge for i popped um, for vigilante and i want i was like courtney you miserable like when she's like oh you have a cowboy i'm like oh, that's the, that's the vigilante <laughs> slap some respect on that uh but i think the young man who plays brainwave jr mm -hmm. is a very bad actor what? And I think that detracts from a lot of the pathos and a lot of the suffering and the pain in which they're attempting to convey to the audience 
Uh, and it, now, listen, I, I could be wrong, and he could be the greatest actor who who's ever acted before. He could be our generation's Troy McClure. And it may just be bad direction, and he's being told to do things in a certain way that comes across as very poor and stilted and stiff and unbelievable. But I like the story enough that I could look back to the kids' suspect acting. Right. Um, are you saying that you're not believing that he's in pain when he just breathes heavy and shoots some spit out of his mouth with his while he's gritting his teeth, Joe? Is that what you're saying? Very, very specifically at the end of the episode where Yolanda confronts him and it's kind of like, hey, you stay away from the JSA, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want we don't want your kind. Mm-hmm. And. Obviously, it's very clear on her feelings, and it's very clear that he can read what she's saying, but he's been reading people's minds the entire episode, right? And all of a sudden, now, he becomes, like, an emotionless mute, and he can't convey any emotions, and he's just like, blah, blah, and it's like, that would have been your moment for him to say, I'm sorry, or I made a mistake, or something. And I get you got to stretch these sort of things out. But you could have even done it as, like, she jumps out and she's like, I don't want to hear what you have to say. And she keeps interrupting him, interrupting him, interrupting him. And then she finally leaves. And then he says, we, the audience, hear it. I'm sorry. And we're all like, now we, as the audience, see this other part of him where I don't think his acting is conveying it. And sometimes when the actor can't convey the emotion emotingly through their face or their actions. Sometimes they just need to be as direct as saying what you want the audience to feel. Right, but which doesn't fall on him because that's not the line he was given. And that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's him as a bad actor or he's being given bad direction or he doesn't understand the direction. There's definitely a disconnect somewhere, Mm -hmm. but it's not so much of a disconnect that I hate the show. And I didn't like the episode any less. I just think that this kid might be a bad actor. Fair enough. I'm just going to say this. Um, but we are at the part where we're supposed to go, will he or won't he be a villain? You know what I mean? Like, if if he's going to go, if he's going to go face, then, he, you know, he'll say sorry in the next episode. If he's going to go, you know, heal, then he's going to, like, try to kill them all. So they're leaving the, you know, the the, the viewers on edge. And I get it, but I do think it works. Like you said, even though he has bad acting, when he's reading the mind of all the terrible people, and it, it like, and the worst place to read people's minds are in a hospital, you know, because there's no good go- ever going on in a hospital in people's thoughts, and especially the one where the guy goes walking by, he's like, oh, I hope she, di-. he's pushing his mother, and he's like, I hope she dies soon, because I get the house and probably the car, and you're like, I'm like, wow, that was a tough scene to watch if you've ever been in a hospital thinking about a loved one, so. I get it. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, two things that I just want to touch on. One, I really dug the hairdo of Brainwave Senior from decades ago. Yes. I think they dug into the Legends of Tomorrow CW wig vault. They're getting ready for season two. And in that, the, the one problem that I actually had with the episode in an episode that I liked was that Courtney was willing to bring brainwave jr on board and tell him everything but when she found out that because she believes that he could be good but when she found out that her wannabe boyfriend's father was icicle she's like does that make him one of the j the isa and i'm like no 
it doesn't the same way you don't think Brainwave Jr. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, she jumped to conclusions on the other one because that's what they need for the plot, if that makes any sense. And I was like, you're willing to give Brainwave Jr. the benefit of the doubt, but this kid, no? I don't know. That just kind of stuck out and bothered me. Uh-huh. But I otherwise... Otherwise, a really good episode. Yeah, and maybe I think, you know, we talked about episode or TV shows needing 13 episodes or 22 episodes or whatever it is. I think we're maybe making the characters have poor decision-making capabilities so that we can get to our 13-episode order. That's a lot of TV, though. So I, I hate when people make purposeful, like, bad decisions, like, yeah. a lot. But you know what? They're supposed to be teenagers. That's when you're going to make bad decisions, Joe. It, Todd, it's been a long time since you or I have been teenagers, so maybe that's our disconnect, you know? Right. But now Amy Smart's going to knows that the staff is there and that they've been doing stuff. So that's one of the, the, the small parts, too, that hooked me for next episode because the lies stop now. And will this drive the wedge between her and Pat Dugan and she'll run to the icicle? We'll see next week, Joe. We shall see. Um, yeah, nothing really is given anything away in the synopsis for next week's episode. More brainwave, more secrets, more planning, that sort of we need, thing. We need the vigilante, Joe. Oh, there is something in here that says tensions between Pat and Barbara force her to revisit her own past. <gasps> she has yeah. a past? I guess. Okay. All right, fair enough. All right, everybody. I think that's everything, right? I believe that is everything. That's right. So now, for real, thank you for listening to episode 511 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying see you all here next week, and thanks for listening. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.